All right. What is up, everyone? We are back in another very episode. I can't talk. Very special episode of Line for Line. Very good man in the building. I have Mr. Kenny Harper in the building. Kenny, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How you feeling on this Friday? Man, I am feeling blessed and, and highly favored. Like one of my mentors would say, um, blessed and highly favored and feeling like a million bucks. <laughs> Looking like a million bucks as well, too, sir. Appreciate it. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what you've experienced this Friday today? Well, today's been kind of interesting. A, a whole host of emotions with the uh, with the verdict coming out, and you know, just just being a, a I wouldn't say I'm a new business in the community anymore. I, I crossed that first year threshold, so I'm not really new anymore. Mm-hmm. But just just being in the community and understanding the the vibe of what's going on, and just really. Feeling the, I can't even say it's tension because last year it was tension. This yeah. year is more of a um, disappointment and, and more of a um, urge to do better. Mm-hmm. So just feeling that from the community and kind of just just taking in what I'm seeing from everybody and, and the different opinions from everybody. It's, it's been a lot today. Yes, sir. Now, as we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about Kenny Harper and what he represents? So first and foremost, I'm a dad. Um, I became a business owner by what I call luck. Um, I always wanted to, um, be in control Mm -hmm. and get away from the, what I refer to as just over broke model. So I wanted to get away from a job (laughs) because if you notice, um, a job always gives you just enough to keep coming back. And Mm -hmm. it's just like a drug addiction. The more they give you, the higher raise you get, the more you want to keep coming back. Yeah. And it's just like like feeding the high. So I always wanted to have control and prove people wrong and um, basically just do things when people told me I couldn't do them. Oh, my God. So I was told once that I wasn't smart enough to manage a tax office what? at a retail company I worked for. So my response to it was, you know what? You're right. I'm smart enough to own the company. Oh, let's so, go. Cool. So I created a, I created the, my first tax company, Tax Pro on the Go. Mm-hmm. I literally went to people's homes, coffee shops, kitchen tables, um, Skype meetings before Zoom prior to the pandemic, and I did tax returns. Oh, wow. 10 years of doing that, um, I kind of got, wanted a, a way to supplement my income. Now, the whole time I kept my just over broke. Mm-hmm. And, I always played business, so I never really achieved what I wanted, and professionally, I started to feel that. So, I mean, I I was in the medical field for 20 years, started off as a nursing assistant, ended up uh, doing various jobs, including health unit coordinator and um, medical assistant, and really felt like at some point in time, I was overqualified for the jobs that I was doing. Oh, wow. Like, I would... I was really good at it and not because, you know, I'm just to my own horn, but all of this stuff, I didn't go to school for medical assistant training. I got on the job training, learned how to do it on the job mm-hmm. and, and really started to, to be good at it. But at the same time, I was professionally unfulfilled and I went into, um, I always had the tax business, but I went into insurance to supplement that income to kind of give myself a way out. Mm-hmm. So every time throughout the years, I always wanted to to level up. And 
at first in my early 20s, it was leveling up thinking, oh, okay, I want to make more money than I made last year. And mm-hmm. every year I kept saying, I want to make more money. I want to make more money. And then I would get those. When I became an adult, you get those social security statements that kind of show how much money you made. And I would wait for those statements to come in the mail and be like, oh, I did make more <laughs> money than last year. Or, you know, I look at my tax returns like, yeah, I did it. I did it. But then I got to a point when I got to be in my mid twenties and I'm like, okay, what did I learn different this year that I didn't know last year? Yeah. Or um, what could I do different that I didn't do last year? Like I, I mentioned before, I didn't even know how to check an email 22 years ago. <laughs> it would take me 15 minutes to check a simple email. Oh, wow. And I would have other people checking my emails and, and things like that. And I didn't change until I got tired. When I got tired, it was like, okay. And I've always been that guy that that does not want to be the smartest one in the room. Mm -hmm. I hate to be the smartest one in my circle. My dad always told me, if you feel like you're the brightest one in the circle, then you need a new circle. So fortunately, my business partner kind of stuck with me and and wanted to, um, he was my best friend, still is my best friend of, of over 30 35 years, I, I believe we lost count. We don't, we don't yeah, even keep track. Don't even count anymore. Huh? No, we don't keep track. <laughs> but um, he kind of stuck with me. And basically, from business to business, I, right now we own, I believe collectively, we own seven companies. Wow. Um, but just starting out, he's like, dude, we're going to put this business together and I'm not doing it without you. So, that kind of forced me into the hand of of being in business. I kind of learned what I needed to learn. So long story short, after 20 plus years of of being professionally unfulfilled, I kind of sought out a more deeper career in insurance and realizing that I wanted to, I knew all along I wanted to be an entrepreneur because of my defiance with um, a job. Like I didn't want, I got tired of people telling me what to do. Oh my gosh! I think you and I both, bro. Yeah, you and I both. Yeah, I got to. I got to be, especially when I turned forty. When I turned forty, and I was denied a vacation, and I really felt like it was it was degrading to have to ask another man if it was okay for me to go on vacation. You really? I did. I felt like it was degrading, so I, I just. And at that point, I, I'm really spiritual, so at that point, I felt like God was pushing me out of that position, mm-hmm. and. I just started exploring what it would take for me to make the income I needed to make to support my family. Because again, first and foremost, I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. And secondly, what did I want to do that that really fulfilled me professionally? And it got to be that finance and, and tax and insurance and financial literacy are all the things that I was passionate about. You know, so that's what that's what kind of brought me to where I am today. Yes, sir. Can you tell us a little bit about some devastation and economic pain that you've felt in your life before? Economic pain, man. That's a that's a good uh that's a good statement because the reason I started the business, people ask me all the time, is why did I really focus on um financial literacy? It's because I was broke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to laugh, but just the way you said it. it hey, was funny. <laughs> I mean, but but that's the you know, and I say it the same way every time I answer that question, is, is that I was broke. Like yeah. I really want people to understand the reason I, I know the things that I know 
it's because I did them for myself. Um, the first time I, I went to a bank to obtain a loan um, for a home, I, w- I was married at the time. And my, my ex-wife and I went to, well, she wasn't my ex-wife at the time, but we went to the bank to get a loan. And uh, I had never checked my credit score. Didn't even, really? didn't even know what it was. But I felt like, hey, I got a few few bucks in the bank. Uh, this bank sees me making transactions. I've been a customer with them for a long time. I'm loyal. They gonna give me a loan. I'm gonna go in here and just, <laughs> you know, they know what I have already. So I'm gonna just go in here and, and do what I gotta do, fill out this paperwork, and they gonna tell me how much house I'm gonna get. Yeah. They check my credit score. <laughs> First time my credit score had ever been checked, I had a 496. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, you can't even buy a pack of gum with it. Yeah, that's really low. Yeah. So after that embarrassment, I started to figure out what I need to do in fixing the credit. How, what was credit? Why was it important to me? Why did I need it? How does it work? Yeah. And I really started to immerse myself in that whole system. Then... um. Fast forward probably about another six months after that event, um, I got audited by the IRS. I got some bad tax advice. I had a family friend that says, oh, I'll do your taxes. It's not a big deal. So, hey, I trusted this lady. I let her do my taxes. Yeah. Well, the IRS uh, sent me a letter a few months after I filed my taxes. And they said, well, you claimed a bunch of stuff that, um, you know, is unusual. We just want to know some documentation as to why you did that. I had no idea what she put in that tax return. <laughs> None. Long story short, I ended up with a, a um, I think it was like a $3,000 debt. Oh, no. Now, at the time, I was only making about, I was making less than $30,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So $3,000, you're making less than $30,000 a year. You got a family. That's detrimental. Um, so I said, you know what? This will never happen to me again. I'm going to learn how to do taxes. So I went to uh, one of the biggest retail companies in the country, and I learned their system. Then after I learned their system, I was in a position to manage one of their offices. Oh, wow. And uh, this was, this was for, I was there five years. So this was four years into, you know, me, well, three years into me being there. I was one of the top preparers in the district, um, 97% retention rate. That's right? cool. It, it was, it was awesome. Numbers are crazy. Numbers. Yeah. Numbers were great. So I literally had a team assembled unofficially. People would call me like, Hey, I can't wait to come work in your office. We go, <laughs> we go have fun. And, um, when it came down to it, I interviewed, and there was me and another girl that was, um, she was a first-year preparer. And, you know, I waited and waited. And, again, even my own manager that I was working for was vouching for me, like, hey, this going to be great. You you know, you're going to be great at this office. Anything you need, I'll help you. We'll get through it. And uh, then I get the call that says, Mr. Harper, you're not, you don't have what it takes to to manage one of our offices. Sorry, thank you for applying, but we decided to go in a different direction. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How, how low did that make you feel? Because I've been in situations like that where it literally just killed my self-esteem. Oh, no, no. It didn't kill my self-esteem. I was a little bit, I was hot. I was, oh. I was really hot because I, you know, again, I had the, the staff assembled and everything else, but it made me think about what my next move was going to be. Because I knew at that point I was ready for something bigger than than what I was getting. 
Makes sense. So I decided to, uh, I had a, a guy that worked in the office with me and it got to a point where, you know, in, in retail, you got the, this was the start of the boom of the internet age where um, you had the online tax services and things like that. So the retail offices were slow sometimes. Yeah. And we would sit there on, on the weekends or evenings and I'd be there four or five hours with one or two customers. And one of the guys I was working with, he's like, hey, I know you're in business. And of course, at that time, I was in music promotion. Oh, wow. Yeah, we did music promotion as my first business. Um, but at that time, I was in music promotion. But he knew I always had a, a dream of entrepreneurship. And he's like, hey, why don't you start your own tax service? It's not that hard. And I'm like, you crazy. I can't do this. You know, you know, deal with everything that you know, we have to deal with and be the boss. He's like, you could do it. You could do it. In fact, I've done some research, but I don't think I got the courage to start mine. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so here's all my research material. He gave me everything. Oh, wow. And over the next summer, I kind of studied everything and I said, you know what? Let's see what, what's going to happen. Um, I continued the research, continued to try to figure it out. And, um, I worked one more season with the retail company. And after my fifth season, I was like, it's done. So I started my original business, Tax Pro on the Go. So again, I went to coffee shops. I went to people's homes. I would just go to somebody's home in the middle of dinner and be <laughs> at their they kitchen table doing the tax return. Um, you know, I did returns in my car, picking up my son from school sometimes, just uh, Skype meetings prior to the pandemic. So I was doing um, virtual presentations prior, years before the pandemic. And it was just one of those things where, you know, I did what I wanted to do. Coincidentally, I bumped into the guy that um, that uh, didn't give me the job with the retail company, probably about two years after I started my own company. Mm -hmm. And we're at a networking event and he walks up to me, he says, Kenny, it's great to see you and shakes my hand. And I said, he says, you know, I'm so sorry. I never gave you that promotion. It really didn't work out with the girl that we, we hired anyway. And I said, you know what? I want to thank you. And he looked at me kind of puzzled, like, Hey, I didn't, I, you know, didn't get this guy a job he deserved. And I said, I want to thank you because exactly what you told me was that I didn't have what it takes to manage one of your offices. And um, I told him, I said, you were right. And he looked at, puzzled again. And he says, what do you mean? I said, because actually I had what it take, what it took to own my own office. Uh, here's my card. Oh, wow. Call me if you need anything. And I, <laughs> and I just walked away. <laughs> but, but again, that was me saying, Hey, this is a guy who, you can't tell me no. So, yeah. So, tell us a little bit more about the Harper Tax and Financial Literacy Group. So, the Harper Tax and Financial Literacy Group is a culmination of all of the things I've done over the past 15 years. Um, I know I said I've been in business for over 20, but the last 15, I really started focusing on finance and, and insurance. Mm -hmm. So, I wanted to build something that was unique to me. So when we came up with the name, um, I wanted to put my family name in the business so that I had something to uh, think about every day. So when I go to work, I can't go to work and give mediocre service because it's not Kitty's 
Tax and Financial Literacy Group. It's Harper Tax and Financial Literacy Group. And that represents my entire family. So I, if I'm looking at it, I'm making my kids look bad if I don't succeed. I'm making my mom look bad, my aunts, oh my, my uncles. You know, so I, I wanted to put that kind of pressure on me to kind of succeed. Yeah. So I, I'll be perfectly honest with you, Devin, when I, when I got into the business and we opened, all I wanted to do was do taxes and sell insurance. That's all I wanted. Yeah, I didn't care about anything else until I got into my office for the first day. What was that like? Um, it was great, but I was able to walk around it, and my desk wasn't even fully put together. I I had stuff everywhere. I was just, you know, how you it is when you're moving into a new apartment. That was kind of how it was my first day in the office, and um. You know, we still got construction going on in the office. They're putting in new doors. They're, yeah. you know, hanging uh, TVs and things I wanted in the office. Let's go. And um, I just was walking around the waiting area and looking out the window, and I start to see kids. I start to see people that look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, a day after I, um, right day before I opened, I had a conversation with the fire inspector, and he says. Mr. Harper, this is a great business that you're putting here in Uptown. He says, you know, after all the fires that happened in summer, this is perfect. Do you sell renter's insurance? And I said, yeah, I do. I sell renter's insurance. He says, well, did you know that only about 5% of the people that were affected by the fires had renter's insurance? No way. I thought you have to have all that if you... Not necessarily. Um, Some landlords don't, don't require it. But, I know I have it from my places. That's why I was asked. That's yeah, why it was yeah. a requirement. Yeah, some places don't require it. But since you have it, you know that it's only, what, a couple hundred dollars a year mm-hmm. to cover your, your assets. So I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, wait a minute. But I see people all the time with the latest Jordans and, and you know, come in here looking the good. Nice cars, too. Nice cars. And... I just thought about Jordans, really. I thought about shoes. I said, how many times do I see a person with multiple pairs of Jordans, but nothing to protect it if something was to happen? Do you know, instead of depending on the Red Cross or depending on Salvation Army or some other uh, organization to help out, if you spent that couple hundred dollars a year and you had a fire, all you had to do is pick up your phone and call the insurance company and say, I'm displaced. And they're going to tell you to go to a hotel, call them and let them know what hotel you're at when you get there. And they'll send a payment to the hotel for you. Yeah. And the, the they'll take care of your stay as long as you needed it. Oh, wow. Only for a couple hundred bucks. So that's when it kind of really began for me. And I really started a, a financial literacy crusade where I really want to to teach people about the, the beauty of uh, saving money and mm-hmm. the... the um, I call it creating a creating a love affair with money. You, you think about being in a relationship. If you got a girlfriend or a spouse, you know that if you come home and you don't <laughs> get that spouse attention, what's gonna happen? You don't get that cold shoulder. You might be on the couch, right? Back, right? Or no you, warm meal, <laughs> or you might, or even worse, you might come home one day and the house is empty and nobody's there. <laughs> And that's the same type of um, deal we need to have with money. We need to love it. We need to embrace it. We need to 
uh, nurture it and not work for the money, but have the money work for you. But one thing I noticed is that a lot of people don't know how to do that. And that's because culturally and inherently we weren't taught. Um, I, I joke all the time and I say my mother, my mother was great, but um, she never taught us about money. That's because she didn't know about money. And I was just going to say a lot of our parents didn't necessarily have the money outside of paying the bills, you know, yeah. like my parents, they lived paycheck to paycheck. You know, yeah. there wasn't, oh, we we can afford to save $500. We can afford to save this because everything that we have coming in goes out. Yeah. And, and most times more than what we had coming in was going out. Yeah. How do we break that cycle though? Let's say we're in the position where everything that we do have coming in is already going out. Like how do we get out of that cycle? So what I, what I do is, um, and I did this like my early twenties and it, I it created a habit. So I've trained myself. And, and again, I believe that everything starts with a, with a mindset. So I, started to train myself that um I could live off 80% of my income. Oh wow. So whatever it is, whatever my income was, I'm only spending 80% of it. Whether it's uh rent, car note, insurance, whatever, it was 80%. I also played a little mind trick. So if you notice that most most um just over brokes and I refer to I'm going to keep referring to a job as a just over broke because <laughs> that's exactly how I feel about them. But most just over brokes will allow you to dep direct deposit into three different accounts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Check with your employer and, and you know, um, most of them will allow you to, to go into three different accounts, at least two. So when I found out it was three, what I did was I put 80% of my uh, pay in a checking account. Then I went to another bank. So I, I started with Chase and then I went over to a credit union. And you know, with credit unions, they get you to open and checking and the savings. But with that other 20%, I took 10% and put in my checking. And then the other 10% I put in my savings. Yeah. Now the rule of thumb is that savings account, I never touched that money. It didn't exist. The secondary checking account was there for emergencies. So if something happened and I needed some emergency cash, then I have that without the penalties that you would get from withdrawing from a savings account. Teaching me so much right now, young man. You, Teaching me so much. You see what I'm saying? And then by having two separate banks, that that 20% money, I can't see it. Yeah. And what happens if you can't see something? You don't know it's there. You don't think about out it. Out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. You don't think about it. So it's kind of a mind trick where you're tricking yourself into only working with that that uh, 80%. Now, you get to a point where you're doing well with that 80%. Now that, that checking account becomes an investment account because now you take that, that 10% and you find a way to invest it. Yeah. And, and make it grow. And then once it grows, whatever the profit on the growth is, you put it into your savings. Wow. How How is it that people will go about finding you in order to take a meeting with you just to get some of this knowledge that you're giving me right now? So you can find me on all, all social media platforms at the YFP group. Um, 
YFP is your financial partner. I kind of created that tagline because I, I like to partner with the community and, and partner with my clients. So I'm just going to say this, Devin, when you come and see me and, and we take care of your taxes and get your insurance and everything else, I don't just do it for you. I show you how it's done and, oh, wow. we, and we partner together to to create a, a, a great outcome. Oh, wow. Now I noticed that you do reside out there in the uptown area with your business like that. What what are some thoughts going through your head knowing the things that have happened in the uptown community and that can still happen? Because if you look at it, you're kind of a staple in that in, in that area now. So it's not necessarily solely up to you, but you're part of the reason and part of the solution to generating better business in that area. Well, I, I think that um, a lot of the things that happened in Uptown last year were done by people that aren't necessarily from Kenosha. You hit the nail on the head. And I, I think that for for me, the experiences I've, I've had with the Uptown Business District has been great. I, I often joke with people and tell them that I didn't go looking for Uptown. Uptown found me. Oh, wow. You know, I landed in Uptown by, by strict faith and uh, favor. Because I was looking all over the city. So when it comes to how I feel about it, I think that that's the perfect place for me. Like I wouldn't, if if I had to write this story on my own, I wouldn't write it any different. Yeah. Um. I think that Uptown is going to be fine. I think that give it a couple years. I, I, I know we got some seeds that have been planted. And when I say that, I mean um, some new businesses that have been planted. And just can't wait to see those seeds blossom. Kenosha is going to really change in the next five years. And I'm just truly excited to be a part of it. Yes, sir. What would be some advice that you could give to a young entrepreneur like me who's like worked really, really hard to start his own, even though there were people who said, you can't do that, or you're a madman thinking you can do that? I was always taught that if you um, if they tell you that you're crazy or you're doing something wrong, you're doing exactly right. So I would always say whatever you do, do it with integrity. Um, stick to your your principles and your beliefs, and rock your vision. Yeah, rock your vision. Because I I look at it like I've always been that type of person who was never scared to step outside of their comfort zone mm-hmm. and do something different. And with what I'm doing right now, it's different. A lot of people haven't seen this before, so I I can kind of feel why they say oh that will never work or you shouldn't do that or this, Y, Z. Like, I can't live my life for you. I have to live my life for me. Like, if I do this and it fails, that's on me, you know? I'm taking all the risk here. You're not taking any of the risk there either. You know what? And, and that's one thing I could tell people. I tell my kids, uh, both of my older two kids, my my 27-year-old and my 16-year-old, both are business owners. Mm-hmm. And I had the conversation with my, my 27-year-old all the time. And I tell her, look, it's your business. It's your life. Um, you got to you got to just live unapologetically. A lot of times people aren't gonna agree with you. When I when I quit my just over broke and decided to go 100 percent into to being self-employed, I was called crazy. Oh wow. I was said it was said that I was gonna be broke, you know, you're not gonna do this, you're not gonna do that. Um and have I made the the success I feel that that I need to make in my first year? Absolutely not. But what drives me every day is the fact that nobody can tell me no. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I still keep in touch with a lot of people, uh, keep relationships with a lot of people that, that I worked with. You know, I got a lot of friends that, that still go to work every day. And what's funny is, um, I go to lunch. I went to lunch with a, with a couple of ladies I used to work with older ladies. And, um, we, we go to lunch in the middle of the day. They came to check out the new office when I opened and they said, you know, how much time do we have? And I looked at my, my watch and I said, well, wait a minute. I think we'll be okay. And I said, you sure? You sure you got something going on? And then I pulled out my phone and I put up my camera and I said, you know what? My boss said it was okay. <laughs> you know, so um, just being just being that person to to be able to just move how I want to move and, and make the decisions that, that I want to make, good or bad. Yes, sir. Now, as we close out, what can we expect from the financial literacy group moving forward? Well, I mean, uh, new partnerships. Um, I've just just formed some new partnerships. I'm, I'm uh, partnering with the Urban League. On, oh wow! On a um, that's big. The Urban League of Racine Kenosha. Uh, my new project called the Urban Money Experience, and it's not necessarily uh, urban money, but it's a it's a great interactive um, life simulation. So it takes you from just out of high school to retirement, and it shows you throughout that lifespan how your choices, um, the choices you make, how it affects your finances. So whether it be relationship, whether it be the type of job you pick, whether it be uh, the number of times you go on vacation, it shows you over a lifetime how that affects your finances and, and kind of gives you a a picture of what's important to you by the way you answer the questions and, and go through the process. Kenny Harper, you are a phenomenal young man. I appreciate you for coming to Line for Line. Man, thanks for 